Hi everyone, today we're with Alex Blondin, who's the co-founder at Everything is User Experience, um, which is an agency that helps other agencies and clients deliver better work using qualitative user research. Hi, Alex. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have you on board. Um, we met at a networking event and we began to talk about values in marketing. So I thought um, we'd, we'd explore that more on this podcast together. Um, great as we get into that, I thought we start off with with you and your background. So I don't know um, where you want to start, but I'll, I'll leave that open to you. <laughs> um, don't know where to start actually. I suppose. Uh, well, I suppose the the first thing is is uh, I'm actually half French. I grew up in France, and nice. I think I lost the accent along the way. Um, but uh, I actually came to the UK to study law, and uh, from there I did I did my my degree, but. I think even when I was doing it, I realized that I was always more interested in in creating something of being more on the entrepreneurial side and at university I did I, I suppose a typical thing I, I created a, a social network for uh, sort of events and nights out you know typical stuff like trying to give people a better idea of what was going on and what was you know the best thing to do I created a social network for flash mobs back in the day as well so I think I was just looking around and trying to find you know something that was there to help people I guess but uh, but eventually I got offered um, a job working in social media risk management so that's yeah. why I started my career properly and uh, I was advising FTSE 100 companies on uh, how to manage their social media when social media was quite new and there were some or, or quite interesting horror stories when there wasn't quite a clear understanding between the difference between corporate communication and personal communication etc. Um, after that I set up uh, my first agency that was uh, actually sort of a continuation of that where we created software as a service to help uh, B2B companies manage their online social media. So that was just okay. technology. Did that for about four or five years. And you know, it was one of those days where I obviously had less experience. I was in my early 20s. So it, it went well, then didn't go so well. So I had to stop that one. And I ended up in a uh, an agency specialized in communi well, communications agency specialized mm -hmm. in financial services. Um, and I worked there for five, six, no, five, six years as the uh, head of digital. And I suppose that's where I started really honing this passion I have about user experience because a lot of the things we were doing, I was responsible for actually building up the digital capability of the agency. It was quite quite an old agency, about 30 years old, but it was still very much a more traditional uh, mm -hmm. Uh, communications agency and they were really looking to obviously up the game and be able to work in the in the well the now quite established world of uh, digital communication but I found that a lot of the time a lot of the work that I was doing and the team was doing was about really understanding who the users were and what they wanted and what they needed um, and that's actually one of the founding sort of moments for everything is user experience because that's where I met my co-founder uh, Dan and whilst I was developing or honing sort of more knowledge around how to understand what people wanted what users wanted and who actually these user users were because a user is not just a customer it can also be uh, a member of staff it can be someone in the community it can be someone in your supply chain etc etc and he was uh, the head of accounts there and so he started also uh, applying user experience principles to the other work he was doing around uh, even copywriting, communication, project management, etc., and 
uh, I suppose, yes, I suppose that's quite a sort of accelerated version, but that's where we would go, you know, offer coffee around a coffee machine and keep having a chat. I kept saying, you know, it really is all about the user experience. That's when suddenly you get projects that work really well. You talk to people, you understand them, uh, you understand what their needs, their wants and their pain points are. And suddenly the projects become a lot easier for some reason. It's weird, isn't it? But you, you yeah. sort of finish the, the brief and you say, are you sure that's what your users want? Are you sure you know what your users want? And uh, I suppose that's what the, uh, the agency on is, is a deep understanding of who the users are, what they want, what their, need, their needs are, and what the pain points, and basically how do you solve that. And also showing agents, sorry, not agencies, but showing clients that uh, often they, they're not quite aligned. They, they think they know, but they don't. So it's, our job is to help them realize that there's a gap and show them how to uh, you know, bridge that gap. That's, that's really incredible. I mean, I, I, I didn't expect to start in France and then make our way all the way to user experience, but um, it, it makes a lot more sense when you connect the dots that way. And I'm kind of curious about, you know, you, you seem to be engaged with social media at quite a technical level in its early days. Um, would that would that be would that be right to to say? I, I think I think really what worked. I think that's a really good question, actually, because I think that's one of the reasons why we end up, in a sense, that's where the reason why we had that conversation at networking events originated, because mm. everything I did back in the day, or at least not, not what I was doing, for example, in the risk management side, it was, it, was a, it was a very corporate job. It was really, we were there to understand social media and what it meant back mm. in the day, you know, what, what's this thing, why do we have a... Um, a feed and you know who's seeing our, our our news and what are we supposed to tell them and how can we say it you know and we're talking about plc companies so they've got a duty to to do yeah. and not do certain things or or talk about things and not talk about things so from that mm -hmm. perspective it was much more in a sense compliance but then when i was doing it from a technology perspective i was trying to help organizations manage this stuff that was a bit uh new and a bit difficult to to understand and and sort of how do you manage people how do you how do you teach people uh, even to to communicate on your behalf and now that's become pretty much standard but the things that i was finding as i was just you know look, looking at the industry was that at least from my personal perspective i can't say it's necessarily for, from everyone's but i found that social media was very much being used as a way to influence people a bit like we were discussing that example of back in the day apparently certain brands would stick a, an image in a in a reel of a film and then it would it would pop up you wouldn't really see it but it would influence you in a way and i yeah the more i was working in that sector mm. the less i was uh comfortable with the fact that i could see that we were using these very powerful communications methods to just basically game the system and just be the loudest voice out there and be the sort of the by default the the system product or service that people would well think they want but did they really want it Really and that was where it was becoming more difficult and, and there was one of the reasons where as i said then my last agency as as a sort of my last job as an employee first job as an employee in fact um we were working in the investment industry financial services hmm. there as well i mean like any industry you can find uh companies that do things not necessarily in the most ethical manner or you know it's it's borderline whatever but you you have to make a choice of doing things the right way, I think. And and I think that's, that is really important. So I saw social media as a place where it could be abused, but it has incredible power to do things right. But it has incredible powerful, uh, incre it's incredibly powerful to do things badly as well. And that's mm. why that influenced me into deciding that now 
today with our current uh, agency, so everything is user experience. We are looking to work with companies who want to have a positive impact on society, have a positive impact on, I suppose, the planet in certain senses. Mm. And black and white, you know, it's not, you know, we're, we're not perfect. Not everything is perfect, but you certainly have to decide one day to do things yeah. in a certain way that means that you're doing something positive. You can't just do it for the sake of the money or whatever else, you know, makes mm. you sick in life. So, I mean, since you mentioned there um, that one way to solve this, I think, I think that's what you're hinting at. One way to solve this is to work with other companies that are values driven or share the same values but i kind of want to pull back a couple of steps from mm-hmm. that point and go, go back back to social media um because i think i think there when you're talking about how it can be abused that's a really really interesting topic as marketers a general topic i think that, that i'd like to chat to you about and it's, it's essentially that our job uh, as marketers is to you know effectively make people aware of products and brands and um that's like the first thing and then once they're aware then there's the steps that come afterwards and there are many many tools throughout history but especially now at at our disposal to make that happen and so how does one just purely on, on 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 that basis um know or decide you know that okay uh where where their line is like like in terms of the tools and the techniques that they're using i mean um we're not always aware that they're going to have a negative impact until a decade later as well i mean that's that's one of the things we're experiencing now i think i think you're right but i think that also we're now already a decade later and i think there is no longer that excuse you see i think you're absolutely right back in the day for decades, it was it was easy enough you to go. You just explore this brave new world of communication and 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 what you could do with it. Yeah. And now we actually know what the impact is. And I can't unfortunately I can't remember the name of the uh, uh, the group or the uh, it was basically it's agencies, rather big agencies that got together and realised that they they have played a significant role in putting forward very damaging products or services or or things out there. And they've realized that the power that they hold to basically elevate certain products or or whatever uh, above others that might not be very good for the environment, good for people, not be very ethical, um, has had a very negative influence. And so they've had to realize that they can't just just willy-nilly go out there and say, look, I just know how to use this system and I'm just going to just flood, I don't know, LinkedIn with this new thing and it's going to be great and and, that, and I'm going to make a lot of money out of it. You have to think about what that means, who it's impacting, you know, the generations mm-hmm. after. I mean, I don't want to go into too much of that sort of think about the future stuff as well, but it is it does remain important. And we all have a duty, and I think it's a human duty as well. It's not just a organizational level duty, although we can get upon that, get to that in a second. Okay. okay. Us as individuals, yeah. Why we have to basically decide what it is that we want to do and what we want to be not remembered for, but what we feel. I suppose when you know when a time comes, what we've done and can, does it sit right with us? And mm. and it's really important because I think it starts with the individuals. Then, from a corporate perspective, then it's the typical mission, vision, values. Uh, a lot of people write those, and they're they're usually a bit sort of you know they they sound great, but they're you know we're a team, and you know we're stronger this, or we do this better, and uh, I, whatever they are, I've not got great examples yeah. there off the top of my head, but 
Yeah. It's so yeah. important to know exactly what your mission is. What is your purpose? You know, why are you here? And to be able to express it properly and stand by it. Um, you know, mm. good or bad, that at this point it doesn't matter. But at some point you're going to have to decide, are you one of those organizations that has a really strong mission, vision, purpose, et cetera, and are you able to stand by it? Are you able to get mm. the people, the team who are going to get behind it and support you in delivering whatever great service or product you're, you're putting out there, but it mm. has to be done in a way that is um, ethical, impactful, whatever the terminology you want to use, but it has to mm. do something you have to stop doing things just because it's a quick win because it's easy because it's been done this way before etc etc no I'm, I'm totally and it, as, as, as you were explaining that it kind of made me kind of think about if, we, if we've reached kind of like capitalism 2.0 now because because you know business development companies exist yes to make money marketing exists to you Absolutely. know, capitalistic endeavor. And I think, as you say, like we, we've been through decades of, you know, just, just a brave new world. Let's just go for it. Um, and now that we've seen the results, it's kind of like, well, we still want, all those things are still good. It's still good to make businesses. But now that we've seen the results as individuals, we're able to reflect on it and say, actually, I, I, I want to make a business, but I also want to make a business in such a way that in 10 years time, I'm not looking back saying, um, it it, 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 it it had a very predictable bad impact because <laughs> because I, I knew that I was just going for the quick wins I knew that you know I was, I was just rinse repeating what happened in the past um you know and it also I mean I just was reminded of an anecdote uh, which was of Nestle I, I watched uh, a documentary yesterday a short one about Nestle conquering Japan because Japan that says it was producing coffee and they were trying to break the Japanese market and they couldn't. And they got um, somebody involved. He was, he was a French uh, marketer of some kind that he, he went over and did a lot of um, user research mm -hmm. uh, in Japan. And he found out that basically you're not going to beat tea in Japan. So what you've got to do is create a new category. You can't compete with it. And um, what they then decided to do was put coffee inside the chocolates that kids were eating oh. and their coffee-flavored chocolates. And apparently the revolution of coffee now in Japan is attributed to them because as that generation grew up, they actually were, were like, oh, no, no, we'd, we'd like to drink instant coffee. Oh, no, no, we'd, we'd like to drink instant coffee outside. And, and then and then it paved the way for a whole generation of coffee drinkers. Oh, man. So they got, they got hooked a whole generation on caffeine then. <laughs> Basically. That's the way. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um one could argue if, if it had a negative impacts or not <laughs> but uh but but it's like it's that kind of thing and it can be enacted on massive scales um yeah, yeah. so i thought but interestingly there what allowed for them to make that shift was user research and they understood um in a way what the japanese what, what japanese people liked and needed and wanted and uh and decided Think maybe rather rather unethically that their best user was children <laughs> but still it, it it did begin with with them figuring figuring that out so do you think that that is kind of like also the way forwards um for us at the moment is that we can we can we can understand we can say that selling this product is ethical in this way because we know that this group of people really want it and then anything goes behind that 
I think because I mean, you know that they want yeah. it. I mean, to use your example of uh, Nestle and uh, and deciding that children were the right market. I mean, it's it is extremely logical. A computer could, you know, AI probably would come up with that uh, <laughs> yeah. that conclusion. But if you look at the uh, the impact it has on on the children, etc., goodness knows what impact it has. But it, it clearly is unethical and. Again, I think it's we all now have a be an, as I said, be an agency or be a, any company, and the individuals within these organisations. You have to look at things and go, this is just not right. Like we all have to start being more aware of the impact of what we do, like how we buy. Our, our, in the sake, I mean, our, the way that we consume nowadays is just you know horrific and scare, scary. Yeah, um, I've got this this weird uh, sort of. It's not research. It's just I find it fascinating watching. Have you watched desk setup videos before where uh, how they've set up their desk and they've got the latest uh, microphone for podcasting and things all like right, that? Yeah, okay. And all it does, I mean, it's done in so many ways. It's just influencer videos, basically. But it's just one that, one that I'm, I don't know, I've got this weird fascination with. And again, they're just trying to sell you shift products. And it's all about aspiring to what people want, which is, you know, to feel good, that they feel like it's their for some reason apparently if you get a new desk mat your productivity increases or something like that you know it's how how do you prove that you know again why are we doing this but it's natural human behavior i feel sometimes to just obviously want to feel good we all want to succeed we want to have a good life Hmm. um but unfortunately that comes at a cost um and i think we just have to decide to play our part to uh, well, minimize that impact and do something that is, you know, maybe not buying or re- or replacing things just because we want the latest generation of microphone when probably the pre- previous one or the first one that you bought, hopefully right. second hand, maybe even uh, is perfectly good for, for for a very very long time until it actually breaks and you cannot repair it. Um, so I think mm-hmm. it's just a question of us. Uh, well, especially coming back to agencies, I suppose it is our our job to help and decide to work with companies and use. I think what we know and how we know how to do things. I suppose SEO might be the same thing. I'd be really interested to hear your perspective on that. But to say, no, I'm sorry, I will not work with you to promote your product to your, your organization because I don't think it fits in with what we believe is right to be done today. And therefore, we choose to work with another organization that might be your competitor, but we know because we've actually asked and we've looked and we've checked you know, within, within reason, within the scale of reasonable possibility, that what they're doing does minimize impact that they do have a, a purpose and they're trying to do something positive do you think that um, agencies or companies which are going down this kind of like partnerships with other agencies which share values route have a competitive advantage against people who are more ruthless and companies which are more ruthless um because we know being ruthless has worked in the past and and, and, and and probably continues to, you know. I think everyone. I think everyone is getting to a point where they realise that you know we're, we're obviously clearly doing something bad. We're looking at the the shape of the the planet and the destruction, etc. So people are getting much more savvy about that. So I think it's completely normal that now. Well, I think it's quite obvious, in fact, that everyone is going in that direction because we know that that's. Uh, what it is we don't we choose maybe now our bank because it's stopped investing in fossil fuels mm-hmm. and weapons etc it's become a major marketing um, ploy in a sense to make it give it a little negative spin to say we don't do this we don't do that the only thing is you have to really check that it's not greenwashing that's the real challenge so the old the old ways of trying to influence you are still there and people are going to try and do greenwashing to get you to buy their, their product or 
or service, uh, even though they're not exactly as honest as it seems on their on their marketing material. Mm, okay. But at the same time, what I'm really heartened by is that people are now much more aware of this. So they are looking out for these traps, if you want to call them, and they are looking out for ethical companies. They are looking for, you know, if you're doing investment, you're not going to go and invest in uh, fracking, for example, or at least more and more people mm-hmm. won't do that. They'll go and choose something much more ethical, much more positive, either for themselves, for, the, for their community, for the environment, whatever is important yeah. to you. So I think, yes, I think there's an advantage because I think the more organizations who do this and do it for for real like do it honestly mm-hmm. i think the more chance we have of squeezing uh the other companies are trying to do it uh, just for just for pure gain but let's be realistic yeah. there is also i think the fact is is that going for uh doing things ethically doing things the right way is actually a perfectly good way to also make money there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to Mm-hmm. grow your business and you know pay pay staff create jobs in fact and you know create a great you know culture for your for your for your team make mm-hmm. money etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't think they're, they're they're different they're not exclusive they're they're just a different manner but i believe a better way of doing things but it might not be that you're making the you know egregious profits that uh, have been made in the past i think we always people mention oh the 80s it used to be great and his bonuses were just chucking on and then the lifestyle was great etc unfortunately we can't live like that anymore we have to now also realize that life is not going to be necessarily as easy and there are sacrifices to be made right mm-hmm. the question is is once you get used to the fact that you're maybe not having always as i said the the latest gimmick or whatever you're not spending 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 and feeling good but actually mm-hmm. if you're giving a more simpler simpler more honest life or leading a more uh, a simpler, more honest organization, there's as much uh, value and happiness to be had out of those as well. So it's mm-hmm. not really sacrifice. It's just maybe a time to get to adjusted to the new way of doing things. But the new way of doing things is not necessarily a step back. It's a step forward mm-hmm. in so many ways. It's just that you've lost that sort of greedy aspect of your life that, or the organization is creating as well. This is really fascinating. Uh, so it makes me want to ask two questions. Um, the the, the first being, you know, so how do companies then think about what their what their values are? Um, because it's not necessarily obvious, I guess. Like, let's say you're you're running a marketing agency. What um, apart from your internal values that will will, will treat our um, Staff in a certain way, and we'll, we'll, you know, internal values, but kind of out, out, outwardly speaking, values, what they might be, and and how to, and how how one actually goes about determining those. And then the second question would be um, more to do with. Uh, well, no, let's let's begin with that. Let's just start with that. Well, if you've got an idea about it, yeah. I think how they go about it is, you know. <laughs> goodness knows what the answer is because I think it is quite individual to each organization. And as I said before, the often the problem is, is that the senior leadership team will lock themselves up in the boardroom and say, right, let's have a think about this. You know, what do we think our values are and what our mission is? And they'll write it all together and then come out like Moses, you know, coming down from the mountain and say, <laughs> I present you with the mission and vision of the company. You, know, you must all follow me. Um, it doesn't work like that. Uh, I've seen it many, many times with clients that we actually come in and do our work because for some reason those statements, those value statements have not worked. They're just not 
no, no one's adhered mm. to them or or even they've been forgotten they've literally literally been you know the, the printout has been put into a cupboard and forgotten about yeah because really again we're still organizations we are quite literally made up of people and they, they're the mm. people there they're the ones who actually create the culture so you have to find that balance between maybe what the original uh, founding person or team wanted to, to achieve that's in, that's fairly important as well but then you have to incorporate and that's where obviously i'll say it, the user research comes into place is understanding yeah. what your team also value what do they care about and what do they want to achieve you know why what what gets them up in the morning what gets them excited about doing something what are they aiming for and again things have changed it's not no longer necessarily making that big paycheck or the the extra bonus it's also having a positive impact helping people just very simple stuff so mm. that mission and that vision i think it's a, a very very delicate balance between actually looking at what it really means to be that organization that agency what it, it is doing what the impact it has if it has a purpose yeah. you know and again a purpose is not necessarily we're helping to save the rainforest the purpose could be mm. we are here to help um, good companies get ahead of the crowds and therefore win more market share than the ones who are doing things in an unethical manner for example I mean, that could be, a, could be one um we work with within the energy building sector we work with a, a company up in scotland who over the last 50 years have transitioned from being a traditional roof and render means you know they replace roofs and they make the outside walls mm -hmm. to an energy efficiency contractor but that didn't happen overnight. That was because of what they did, because of the expertise. They realized that by wanting to do something better, by wanting to make houses more energy efficient, they, uh, they, they could do better. They could actually improve, come up with new ideas, start mm -hmm. shifting from just putting a wall up, but putting insulation, et cetera, et cetera. And what they were doing, they've realized, is they were actually making the lives of the people living in those homes better, especially as these were um, uh, these were homes, they were, what do we call them, the housing associations. So they, they help um, you know people in, in council flats and council homes have a home that they can actually, uh, you know, it's very topical today, but that can actually be, they can actually afford to heat and they can afford to live in and they don't have to make a choice between feeding their children and paying their rent that sort of stuff mm -hmm. when you realize that that's the sort of impact that you have i think it's pretty easy to suddenly realize what your mission is you know it's not just about slapping some something up on the wall it's actually improving mm -hmm. people's lives and that's what every organization needs to do is to start thinking about stop trying to think about communicating stuff and marketing is about putting some keywords out there like buzzwords that people understand no it's about talking about you and mm -hmm. talking about people and what matters to them and using that to communicate who you really are be transparent just tell them who you are sometimes you're not perfect you don't have to be perfect you just have to talk to the people that you want to attract the people who want to be attracted by you and that's where your customers are or your staff even or whoever you know you you influence or is influenced by you that's what you need yeah. to do, I think i hope that answers your question it, it, it does. And then, uh, you know, I, I wonder if you, you agree with this idea, which is that um, what it sounds like is that in the world of marketing, so ethics has its own context in every single different like domain, right? Uh, and in the world of marketing, maybe it's this being being consumer centric, being user centric, which is, 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 is like the perhaps the baseline from which you can say, which we can start to derive ethical behaviors from. It's like if if I um, am understanding what my employees want rather than what I want, um, then I can now make decisions which I know will help them 
you know, as, as within the parameters of what's possible for the business and, and the same for the users. And now and now we can start to create products and think in ways and, you know, market in ways and message in ways that, um, that we know would be, you know, good. <laughs> you know, I think, yes, I think you have to believe that most people want to do some form of good somewhere. You know, they, yeah. they, you, you don't have that many people going out there wanting to, I don't know, drown puppies, you know, as a, as a, as an activity It's pretty rare. Right? <laughs> yeah. it, I think a lot of people want to do, want to do good. And I think that if you're an organization that empowers them to do that, then you're going to attract those people. So it's going to become even easier to fulfill your, your mission and your, and your, and your vision. So as an organization, you absolutely have to enable set set up a system that enables people, but you're mm. absolutely right. And uh, again, that's exactly why, everything is user experience exists is because we believe that pretty much it's all about the people, not about anything else. And even though the word UX now has been assigned to, to websites, et cetera, and the number of times where we hear people saying, oh yeah, I need UX, can you do me a wireframe? And we say, no, it's about the people. We're here to talk to people. We're here to actually do one-to-one -one interviews and listen to their stories, understand the nuances. As I said before, early on, it's about, you know, what do they what do they want what do they need what are their pain points what's keeping them up from nice you know what why on earth are they responding to your your service you know what what is it that they that you're you're helping them solve etc and mm -hmm. if you do not think about the people and their individual circumstances i think you're missing a trick so would you say that there's a difference between targeting by using data and analytics because we can we can see demographic data and things like that and understanding the user experience, understanding our users. I think that the the fact that we're using analytics, et cetera, has, has made us lose the, the important part, which is understanding what the real human behavior is. So um, I understand uh, there is a place for it. Again, don't get me wrong. There is a place for it. It's not about, it's not, I'm not talking about things being black or white, but when you're sending out, let's say a, a simple survey, what you have to realize is that you are, uh creating something that's completely biased because you're only asking the questions to which you want the answers to so you're never looking out for the things that you don't know or all the, the nuances that you haven't thought about and that's what you're missing out on so i think it's important especially with very large organizations to be able to go and say you know look at the website look at the the way the mouse is moving look at all those averages i i get that i do get it but I think what we're, not, what we're not doing enough is really talking to people and asking them what matters to them. And that's where you can create really, really good experiences for, for people, people experience rather than just user experience or customer experience, et cetera. That's what's right. important. So they're both important, but I really strongly believe that we're not doing enough of that real in-person um, re research and talking to people. Okay, getting to know people. I can't, I can't remember who it was. It was a CEO of a famous perfume brand. It was one of the famous ones, like Chanel or something. And he used to basically turn up to when when things were in in in, in a on on the high street, right? And he basically turn up and spend the day just watching, just sitting in in one of the shops, just watching people, and then talking to the staff. And then he'd travel around the world. Like if you go to Japan, he'd do the same there. And 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 you think for somebody like him, very busy, massive company, they'd be he'd be looking through data sheets, but actually and 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 being there in person with just like what, like a few dozen people walking in and out of your shop, maybe more than that, but you know, just watching them like that it would be anecdotal or doesn't work. But that's basically how he formulated 
um, his understanding of of the people that the company was trying to serve. And I mean, he said done well. So I think I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. I think we should never forget and lose the the fact that at the end of the day we are well, human beings serving other human beings, or it's not necessarily serving, but it's it's interacting yeah. together. So we're not a set of numbers, you know. I'm not uh, A B one 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 two three four five. I'm Alex Bondin, and what I what I want, what I need, what what motivates me is is going to be a bit different to someone else. Again, you will still find um, commonalities, and that's what we do. We look for commonalities different between different types, and you do end up creating um, personas. Although I don't really like personas because I think they're a bit too too generic. Like calling someone Paul thirty four likes this. I think it's a bit too actually maybe a bit too specific. But you can find commonalities of what types of people want and what they need and what their pain points are. And when you've been been able to answer these, and you can see how it it impacts. A, a set of people or community, then suddenly you can realize that's where you should be going for and who you should be talking to. So it's much, that's a much better way of looking at it. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think, you know, everyone, we, we, we mentioned capitalism 2.0 and I think what's, what's the unifying factor between all of this is the, the, the rehumanization of things. I think we've kind of come to the end or coming, we're, we're in the middle of like the uh, excitement around data. But then we're realizing that actually um, we're turning people into abstractions and that's less effective. Um, I made this mistake initially when I first started on LinkedIn, um, just trying to connect with lots of lots of people that fit a certain category that I knew that I would, that, that would that I wanted to talk to. But when it came to actually messaging them starting a conversation, I had no idea who they were. <laughs> and and um, the effectiveness was very, very low. And then I stopped that and I just started actually trying to get to know somebody a little bit before connecting with them. And then when I sent them the first message, it was clearly uh, there was a connection there already because I'd understood something about them. I'd interacted with them on, on, on their profile a few times already before. And then suddenly you see this like change in, in, in uh, people's responses to you they want to have a conversation with you and at the end of the day that's what we're you know we're talking about business but 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 that that that, that is the best way it's done right um, most effective way for business is actually we're realizing is just to be quite human and, and real and um and understand other people uh, I, th I think that's yeah absolutely i think i think what you've just said there sort of reminded me of another observation i had which is I think we've become too used to thinking that we should be doing what the, again, the big, very big organizations that do need to have those data sets. And we want to mimic it because there's a perception that it's cheaper, it's easier. You don't have to go and spend all that time talking to those pesky humans and people about what they uh, what they want, you know, that sort of stuff. But actually... I, I think that you're losing you're we're losing out and as as normal sized organizations let's call them mm. our, our customers are the ones and our staff are the people who keep us alive so mm. why on earth are we not going to talk to them and spending that time is it not are they not valuable enough to us that we we mm. want to just transform them into a a platform and put them in there and look at what the platform tells us or why don't we just go out there like your example of just mm. going out there watching them talking to them asking them what they think and suddenly you probably get much much more valuable insight that is relevant to you as an organization now that's powerful yeah 100 percent. and so uh on, on on the marketing front I've, I've begun to um 
actually spend time interviewing some of our like good clients and just talking to them and getting to know how how they came to SUSE, how they um, what their experience was was at SUSE, how, what 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 they thought made their experience successful with SUSE, um, and and that's just been one. It's made achieving the job marketing way more enjoyable and real because I feel like I'm marketing to, I can, I, I know who I'm marketing to, right? It's, it's not just numbers and um, stats and communication then becomes because the human beings that you, as you say, are doing it until, until AI is doing it. We're, we're the ones deciding what the words that go down on paper that go out onto yeah. the room. And so that's become a whole lot easier and more effective and enjoyable. And, um, and, and yeah, it's it's I I've experienced basically um, exactly what you're talking about, and and it also makes it harder to trespass and and do something wrong to the. So you can spam people, I think, um, mm-hmm. and it feels okay because, as you say, that like the tactics of big companies, you, 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 there's a line between sending out good messages and spamming, and yeah. you don't really feel like you're spamming because you don't really have any connection to the people at the other end. But the second that you start to uh, build this human connection and understand that these are people on the other end, um, just your whole approach to, to strategy changes, and, and 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 you don't inundate their inboxes anymore it's, it's not it's not a tactical play it's just something that makes sense now and yeah. it's, it makes for a better environment um better sorry i was going one quick last point which was makes for a better um, experience for them of the company and it makes for overall a better inbox that they have and a better linkedin page you know when they go on to experience these different uh, social medias and stuff so absolutely yeah. But it was your choice, and that's what makes a difference, is that you have consciously decided that you're not necessarily, don't get me wrong, you will use, there's loads of great tools out there. Again, as I said, it's not black and white. It's not about that. It's about what you choose as a person Mm. to do that is right. And where do you decide to stop the whole, like, let's say, the whole sending out automated messages? And at what point do you really pick up and go, right, now, you know, it's going to be it's going to be Chetan out there really talking to, to people, really having conversations, building relationships. You know, we all know they're not necessarily you're not going to become best mates and you know go on holiday together. Mm. Is there anything wrong with especially after we've just come out of uh, lockdown around the world and we've all been sort of our little boxes? Mm-hmm. You, you, like uh, when we met on the at the uh, networking event, I was so happy to have that conversation and you know, talk about something that we were both passionate about. That right. was great, and that was a real conversation. It wasn't just the it wasn't a sales thing. It was it had nothing to do with sales. It had to do about us talking about something. We realized there was something in common. We wanted to talk about it, and, mm-hmm. and that in itself was valuable. And that creates that relationship. What happens afterwards? Goodness knows. But at least you've done something that is is real, um, and mm-hmm. you've really done something that shows that there is you know a connection as it were and i think that's what's important but yeah. it was a choice you know it wasn't about i've been on networking events where you think you're going to talk to someone about something but actually all it is it's a sales pitch it's a sales call whereas i strongly i strongly believe and i, I can say this because the way we started the first products we ever did were all pro bono of course mm-hmm. there was you know there was a one reason is that we needed to get some work in etc to at least get known but what we did is we gave our time, and we continue to do it to, to this time, this day, two years later, because we're two years old, and 
We continue to help impact startups. We know an impact accelerator who was an old client of ours who's done, uh, who created Impact Accelerator. And we just give our time to, to help them. It might lead to work with them, but the primary purpose is we do want to help them. We do want to give them value. And that is a, a conscious choice. And we think that that's actually the right way of, of doing business is help people out. And eventually they'll come back to you because they understand that you're trying to do something good and that actually you've actually shown them how good you are potentially, which is much more, more powerful than just trying to flood them with some sort of sales tactic, et cetera. You know, be, be honest, just tell them what you do, how you do it and why you think it's the right thing for, for them and for you as well. You know, why is there, why is their relationship to be built there? Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned networking and, um, you know, I was just thinking like what, as you were talking, I was just thinking, you know, what, what binds that network together? Well, it's human connection. That's what, that's what builds the network, you know, the, the nodes between each point of that network. And if, if, if it's, it's not, and that, then once, once you have that network, then, then I guess, um, you know, people can recommend you even, right? So the value of human connection that, even for business terms, is is there. Um, whereas if it was just, I guess, a transactional, I think that's it, right? A transactional sales pitch. Well, there's no reason why I'd want to do you a favor afterwards and recommend you to a friend. I don't even know who you are. I just know what you want to sell me, which is pretty like a like a 2D thing, <laughs> you know, with no, the personal behind it. Absolutely. And, and the same, same goes for the product. If you're where, if you're, you've bought, I don't know, a, a sweater that's actually, you know, truly been made out of recycled materials that's actually come from a, a, a really, I don't know, maybe it's not, I can't say the term sustainable source, but you've actually gone and yeah. collected that waste material and actually turned it into something. You're always going to go and tell your friends, you know, obviously it still has to look nice. It still has to be something that you care about and value. Uh, you're not going to mm -hmm. just wear a sort of a rough sack over you, but you're, automatically going to tell people about it you're going to tell them about the value yeah. that you're going to tell them about how good it is uh not just because you love it but because it has all these other benefits to it so i think that's what's important as well and, and again it works across products mm -hmm. and services when you're working as an agency communicating etc you just have to work with organizations that are doing something that you're going to know people are going to value because they understand and trust that everything you're telling mm -hmm. them is actually honest as well Absolutely. And so I think, I, I mean, I, I think that's a great place to, to, to summarize and, and uh, you know, because, and, and ended, unfortunately, yeah, I think, I think, I think this is a great place to, to, to put the point because, you know, especially for normal sized businesses, as you put it, I think this is a massive advantage to be able to engage the people who work with you, for you, um, on a deeper level, I think I think you know it, it. It does. It does certainly sound like maybe other agencies or other companies have been smitten by the games the big companies play. And uh, actually, the advantage exists for normal-sized businesses in understanding very very well and taking the time to understand very very well their users, their employees, and. Um, and then, and then making decisions based on that. I think just very quickly now, I'll, I'll just say that I think you're absolutely right. I don't think that you can go wrong by investing mm -hmm. in understanding who 
the people are that make your organization from both internally and externally it is not a false economy it, it is actually a false economy to go and try and and get a data set about them or bias or you know of someone mm. talk to them have meaningful conversations really understand what they are be ready also to realize that you've got it wrong sometimes you know you think that you know what your customers want well probably you don't and that's fine that's normal um we actually often say to our to our, our clients is getting it wrong as part of the process which sounds super weird right but actually no it's true you want to get it wrong because you want to make sure that you've gone and asked people to make sure that it, it was a, the right or wrong thing because otherwise you're just going ahead with a whole plan a communications plan for example based on completely false assumptions why would you do that to yourself when if you talk to people they'll give you the stories to help you better communicate to them the value of what you do and therefore make them want to buy your, your product or your service because they feel that they are they have a connection with you that's what's important that's what's amazing yeah i i find myself inspired by the end of some podcasts and this is one of them <laughs> so <Thank you. laughs> thanks thanks alex and uh, thank yes, you very much pleasure yeah thank you so much see you soon